Hey everybody, welcome to All Have Another Podcast with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay. Thank you so much for being here today. Today you're listening to episode 141 and I'm talking with Roberta Groner. Before I introduce you to Roberta, I want to thank a sponsor for this episode and that is Ubiome. Your gut is home to trillions of microbes, about as many as the amount of human cells in your body. Those microbes may affect your health in countless ways. They might help you digest food, manufacture vitamins, improve your mood, or even fight off illness. So you've got places to be, but is your gut keeping up? You can find out with Smart Gut by Ubiome. SmartGut is a quick and easy at-home test that helps you understand if your gut bacteria are working with you or against you by screening for microbes associated with IBS, IBD, and other chronic conditions. Sampling is quick and easy, and it takes less than three minutes. SmartGut is healthcare provider ordered and reimbursed by most health insurance. Request your SmartGut test today. Go to ubiome.com slash another. That's U-B-I-O-M-E dot com slash another. Thank you, Ubiome, for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. All right, you guys, Roberta Groner. So excited to have her on the show today. My friend, Ashley Fizzerati, who you've heard me talk about several times on this podcast, and she's actually been a guest on this podcast way back in the day, episode seven. Uh, Ashley has been on me to have Roberta on the show for well over a year now. Ashley's been stalking Roberta on Strava for some time. Roberta is a 230 marathoner. She's a 112 half marathoner. She's now a master's runner, though she competes with the open field and at the highest level, I might add. She recently completed the Philly Rock and Roll Half Marathon with that 112.20 time and was on the podium, third place, right behind Des Linden and Kellen Taylor. And let me just add, Kellen was 14 seconds up from her and Des was 32 seconds up for her. So it was quite the performance on a very humid day. When she ran her 2.30 marathon, it was last year at CIM, right behind Sarah Hall. And she definitely has her sights set on breaking that 2.30 barrier. Roberta is the mom of three boys. You guys know I had fun talking about that a little bit in the episode as a boy mom myself. And she also works full-time as a nurse. So she has a full plate. She is competing at the highest level, working full-time, raising three kids. I am so inspired by her. And she has a really good outlook on the sport and how she balances it all. So I know you're going to love that. Also, I want to mention, I was so excited to hear how well Roberta did in Philly last weekend, placing third, that I grabbed a quick 15 to 20 minute chat with her post-race. Just yesterday, I recorded it. And we got to talk about what that race was like and what her plans are because she's recently announced since I recorded this episode that she is running the New York City Marathon this fall. So when we recorded this episode, we did not know that she was running New York yet. She knew, but we didn't. So we found out she's running New York. And so I grabbed a quick chat with her post Philly pre New York, and that is going to be available today on my Patreon page to all the supporters of this show. So if you go to patreon.com slash Lindsay Hine, you can find the follow-up interview with Roberta along with dozens of other interviews over there. Interviews with past guests, uh, bonus questions with past guests. We have an episode with bonus questions from Ben Rosaria over there. And I also have lots of episodes with my husband, Glenn. So a lot of great bonus content over there for supporters. That's patreon.com slash Lindsay Hine. All right, guys, I know you're going to be inspired by Roberta on this episode. And I know you're going to add her to your list for people to cheer for in New York this year. If you don't already have her on your list, put her on your list, put her on your radar because she's going to do big things in New York this fall. All right, guys, enjoy my conversation with Roberta Groner. 
Well, today on the podcast, we're talking with Roberta Groner. She is the mother of three boys, a nurse, a cook, and a really fast runner. Are those accurate descriptions? Yes, they are. Thank you for, <laughs> thank you for having me on the, show, on the podcast. Yes, welcome. I'm so excited you're giving us uh, your time today. And Roberta, I have to tell you, my friend Ashley Fizzerati, um, she's like my confidant. I talked to her about every, everything with the show. She lives in your area and she's been Strava stalking you for some time. And she keeps saying, you need to have Roberta Groner on your show. Oh, well, that's great. I actually, I think I follow Ashley on Strava too. So I'll have to uh, reach out to her. <laughs> I think it was before, um, it might've been before CIM. I don't know which marathon you were doing, but she was like this woman that lives near us. She's going to be doing something really fast in her next marathon based on what's going down on her Strava. Yeah. Well, that's great to know that, uh, you know, that they're out there supporting me. That's, that's always, I have a great um, support cast, uh, you know, of friends and family. And because I moved to New Jersey just four years ago, so um, I can't express how great it is to have the support from everybody out here. Where did you move from? Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Uh, okay. Okay, cool. Well, let's introduce you and kind of your background with uh, running and where you are now. You just did something really exciting, though. You just broke the 10K American record in your age group, 40 to 44. Congratulations. Thank you very much. What was that experience like? Were you going after that? I mean, it looked like there weren't a ton of people at the track. Tell me about what the goal was and, and what that was like. The goal was, um, I mean, looking at my coach and I looking at the record, we felt I've run faster on the road. So I've never done a track 10,000 meters. So it was just something to kind of go after and see what I could do. Um, so we had been in touch with some people that know, you know, there's not a lot of uh, track races this time of year. And since I'm not, I was, my legs are a little bit fresher. So I'm not marathon training right now. I'm going to be starting again. Um, it was just decided, let's just go find some kind of race that has some competition and, um, and see what I could do on the track. So um, really there was not too many high expectations other than to just kind of see how it goes since I've never run run on the track before. So um, but I was hoping to break 34 and, um, and go from there. So it was, you know, it was, they were very supportive. The race director knew about it beforehand. Um, and then there were quite a few girls or women there that were still, that were racing around my time. So, so what was your final time? Uh, 33, 57. Oh, you just got under 34. Yeah. 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 But didn't you break the record by almost a minute? Yes. I mean, that's the record that's on the USATF site. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know I was um, like, I'm, I was trying to look up all this stuff and I was like, I don't even know where to find this stuff, honestly. Yeah. 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 So, um, not my best time, but like I said, on the road, I run faster, but I, I was happy with it. I was on vacation with my kids that week. So, oh, fun. um, we were in Hershey Park, which is an amusement park in Pennsylvania with family for like four days. So from, you know, having all that fun time with them and eating ice cream and chocolate, I will, <laughs> I will take I will take it. <laughs> You're like, guys, just we're just going to do a little detour here and I'm going to try to break, yeah. break a big, big record on the 10K. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So they were there. They got to come up to the track or the, we took a little weekend in Boston. So um, my kids and I went up to the track. Uh, so and they got to see it happen. So it was very exciting. So you're a boy mom as well. I have three boys yes. myself. You're there. So there are they 11, 12 and 15 at this point? 11, 12 and 14. My 14 year old will be 15 in October. Okay. So. so what's that like seeing mom compete at such a high level? Because 
<laughs> you ran a two thirty marathon in, at CIM this past year. So, do they realize how fast you are and how how like at what high of a level you're competing? Um, they have come to realize that I think over maybe the last six months to a year, um, they're they're very supportive and they're excited. Um, of course, they always ask me if I've won the entire race. They want to know if I beat the <laughs> men too. So, um, but yeah, no, they're they they are getting they're understanding they they love to come to the events and see the races. They get to experience a lot of like New York City races with me. So, um, they're they they just have grown to you know they they really do love it and um, they appreciate it. I believe so. They see the hard work. They see me getting up in the morning and you know getting the runs in when I have them. So. So let's walk back to where yes. you started your running career because you took a really long break. So you started, um, let's see, I have this in my notes. Where am I at? Okay. So you started running in seventh grade and you were pretty good and you ran through college, but then what happened? So then I just, um, I had a family tragedy, you know, my senior year of college and I ended up leaving my division one school and I, I went back to nursing school, but it was only a two-year degree. So in that time frame, I just stopped running. So that was like 1999. Um, and I didn't pick it up until 2009, roughly. Um, just decided I wanted my youngest son at that time was two and decided that I wanted to kind of get out and do something for myself. And I'm not very crafty or creative. So it was, well, let's go for a run. And it just kind of progressed over probably two years. In 2009, I, I ran my first 5K back in a 24-44. And then after that, it was just kind of steadily improving again, getting more competitive. Um, I met people out in Pittsburgh um, in my area that were training for Chicago Marathon 2011. So I decided to kind of just join along and start training for a marathon. And that's kind of where it all started and um, became a little bit, started getting faster over the years after that again, so. Well, and so you ran that first 5K in 24 minutes, and yeah. isn't your PR 16.24 now, or 16-something? It's 16.10. I just had a 16.10 this end of June, so. 16.10. Are you after breaking 16 minutes now? We will see. Um, <laughs> I, I am, um, it was a, you know, I think that there is potential. The issue for me is I do, once I start marathon training, it's not, I don't really have a tendency to, to have PRs. So yeah. I will, I will start marathon training about only a week or so before my next 5k. So I may have a shot at it, um, breaking 16. Um, but you know, it's summertime in New Jersey and it's at the beach. So you just never know what you're going to get on a, uh, August morning. So so you took your break starting 1999. When, what year did you have your first baby? 2003. Okay, 2003. So then you really weren't running until 2009. You were having right. babies and raising a family. Yeah. And I talk about this a lot on the podcast because I'm the mother of three as well. And I talk about like postpartum running and fitness and all this and the fact that you started when your youngest was two makes a whole lot of sense to me because yes. babies hopefully sleeping through the night and you're kind of like, I feel like two is the age where you're, when your youngest is two, where you're kind of like, I can breathe again. I mean, it's still really hard, but like I can breathe again. And you quickly found out that you were more talented than you even realized. I mean, yeah, it was definitely, you know, I had two kids they're 51 weeks apart. So my second and third. So there was a lot of, you know, 
diapers and you know that you know that like I said that phase of your life oh they're <laughs> under a year apart yes uh, oh, their, wow. birthday, <laughs> their birthdays are the 27th of April and the, the youngest is the 20th Jeez, so that's yes. crazy so um so yes it was definitely the time where it was yeah you're starting to like you know get into a better routine there's more sleep um so yes that's when I started again and like I said it wasn't as competitive or serious back then because they were still pretty young. So it was just kind of getting out, getting into shape, doing something for myself, not necessarily looking at a competitive standpoint. I mean, in college, I did run a 1735 5K. So, you know, it wasn't like I hadn't run fast times in college, but just not as fast as I'm running now. Yeah, I mean, 1735 down to 1610, that's a huge difference. Yeah. And 1735 is really fast. I mean, I would give anything to run a 1735. (laughs) I think in college, I just didn't appreciate, I mean, there's, I think there's different types of runners. I did it more for the social aspect, not necessarily maybe the competitive part. I'm sure it probably drove my coach crazy at the time. <laughs> um, cause he probably saw this potential sure. and I was more like just kind of there for the ride. And unfortunately, I don't know if it's a good or bad thing. I mean, I took a 10 year break, my legs, I'm not, you know, a lot of people ask like, well, do you think that's why you're running so fast at 40? Um, you know, it could be, you know, yeah. that I didn't pursue something competitively right afterwards. So yeah. Cause your body is like, thank you for being so gentle to me for 10 years. Yes. yes, yes <laughs> definitely. So let's talk about your marathon progression though, because you did run that first marathon in three twelve, and you've taken that down all the way to two thirty. That is yes. really fast. Thank you. So talk about the progression when you ran the three twelve. that's a really fast marathon time especially for your debut, but it's not a, anywhere near a two thirty. So what was the training like for that? And when did you realize, okay, like that was fast, but I can do much better. Um, you know, I think there's, I think everybody's first marathon, there shouldn't be a lot of pressure. So it, the first goal was just to finish. Um, and, um, so that, you know, Chicago was great. You know, it was, you know, a great course, the, the crowd supports fantastic. So, um, my training was generally, I think I may have maxed out about 50 miles a week. Um, I was only running three to four days a week and just getting in kind of some harder workouts, long runs, maybe a little speed. You know, I had two men that I had that were joining us on the marathon and they were like training together. So I kind of like latched onto them cause they knew what they were doing cause they had run marathons before. So there wasn't really a whole lot of pressure, but that was about the most of my training. It wasn't anything more than 40 to 50 miles a week. And when you finished the race, did you feel completely done or did you feel like, I know there's a lot more? I knew there would be a lot more. Um, and I qualified for Boston. So I said, well, I have to go to Boston now because, you know, what if something happens? I never get to qualify again. So Boston was my second marathon. So, um, and that was 2013, the year of the bombing. Um, so very significant, obviously, um, for many reasons, and uh, I knew after Boston probably because I finished before the bombings, but I knew mm-hmm. at that point that I definitely knew I could be in the 240s, I thought, you know, with right training. So because I broke three hours on my second marathon. So what did you run in Boston 2013? Don't, don't quote me on the exact time. <laughs> I think it was right under 258. Okay. So you, you just kind of got under three hours there. Correct. Yes. Yes. And then and you, it was, go ahead. I was just gonna say it was very similar training that compared to my first one, maybe a little bit more mileage, a little bit more. I started doing like some strength training, but nothing, nothing 
increasing over 50 miles a week, maybe 55 or so. Well, and since then on the Boston course specifically, you've taken that down to 236 and you were the 16th female in 2017. You know, it's like, that's so fast and that's such a high placement in Boston. What, what did that feel like? I mean, did you expect to get 16, I mean, 16th place overall, that's so high. I know. Um, no, well, I, that was my year. I, um, the fall before I ran a 237, um, I was running with, um, when I moved to New Jersey, I started running with some running groups out here and picked up a training partner and he was using the Hanson's training plan. And so I just kind of latched onto that for a year or two. And so I ran the 237 up in New York at Albany, New York and Mohawk Hudson. And at that point I thought, I started talking with more people in the community that were running and I found my coach that way. So I decided to to hire a coach and um, his name's Hector Matos and he's a local coach, but, you know, um, has had a lot of talent, you know, over the years with a lot of local runners. And so, um, and at that point we started training for Boston, um, that January. Um, so the training, a lot of things increased, my mileage increased, um, the workouts were harder. So I was asked to do the elite start for Boston. I had been asked the years before, and I always felt, I didn't feel comfortable starting with the elites because I didn't really consider myself an elite. And I felt like I was going to run the whole race alone and why not be with the crowds and all that stuff. So I decided to, to run with the elite crowd. And um, it was one of those things where I just kind of, I went for it. You know, I went, I had a pace and we had a plan and the weather was a little hot, but he said, let's just go for it. And I stuck to the plan and he wanted me to keep consistent splits and I did those things. And, um, yeah, so I was a little surprised of the place because you just never know who's going to show up or who's going to run, but that's what's the beauty, beauty about a race, right? You don't know until you're there and in it. So, and it was a hot day. It was a hot day. Yes, that was okay. No no shade. (laughs) So now you're making me think about Boston this year because of, you know how there was a little bit of a controversy going on because like some of the women that placed, I think it was the woman that placed fifth, like yes, time wise, and she was not in the elite race. Correct. Okay, so I want to know your thoughts on all that. <laughs> My thoughts. I mean, I I see both points of view, but I mean, for me, as as, a, as running in the elite crowd, it's different than starting in the back mm-hmm. uh, or not the back, but in wave one. In wave one, I would have, um, you know, I think the, what is there a thousand runners per corral, mm-hmm. and so you have a lot of men and a lot of pacing. Because there's, for me, at least it always seemed helpful. I could always latch onto somebody and just mm-hmm. kind of mm-hmm. go with that person. Um, when you're running with a small field of 45 women and we're all different calibers, you have your, you know, 220 marathoners and you have the 250s and anything in between, you could be more spread out. So it could be more work, you know, having mm-hmm. to be concentrating on your own, keeping your pace if you're running by yourself. So I, you know, I, I see both sides. If you run the time, why don't you get the, you know, place in the, uh, the rewards of it. But, um, I don't know. I, um, I was trying to think a race that I did, they, they didn't give me the money and I forget, well, there was something that happened and it was very similar. You know, I, I, I forget what it was now. I can't think on top of my head, but you know, something similar where I didn't start with the elite. Mm. I think it was, it was New York city actually in 2015. Didn't start with the elite women. I ended up being the third American mm. that year 
and I didn't, you know, I never even thought to even look to see if there was money, <laughs> but I, but I didn't, you know, it, it didn't, it couldn't hold up because they, you know, they, they keep to their, you know, they kept to their, you know, it wasn't like it was a weather situation and things happened. So, so you were third. So there you're saying that they paid out top Americans aside from like the top, what up 10, yes. 10 people in the race overall. Correct. Race. Correct. Oh, yes. and so really, I guess. My thought is, as someone who's fast enough to, you know, be in that position, you kind of have to take it on yourself to look into that and find out what the rules are ahead of time, right? Correct. Yes. Yeah. Although I will say, if my time was the fifth fastest time at the Boston Marathon, I'd probably be like, man, I worked for that. Exactly. I mean, like I said, you work for it. It is there. And I get just, I said, there's, there's different points of view to it all. You know, yeah. um, I can see both sides because I've been on both sides at New York in 2015. I did run with just the regular corrals and I was third American, but you know, um, because of the rules, I didn't qualify for the money and I can see both sides of it. Now that I've run both sides, I run the elite start and I've run the open start. So yeah, you really have like probably the best perspective out of anybody because you've physically been in both positions. Yes. Yes. Okay. So in 2017, this past year, uh, you got second place at CIM right behind Sarah Hall. You ran a 230, 38, and you were really aiming for a 235. That's a big difference. Correct. Yes. My training was for a 235. Um, so that was kind of, you know, going through the 12 week cycle it was that was the goal times and I would say probably the last month of training everything just started clicking together and my coach never told me till afterwards but he felt that there was a possible sub 232 because a lot of my splits and the consistent work was showing you know in the 540 range um pace wise so um and it was one of those days where it was just a great day the weather was great it was probably the first race I mean I know at Boston I ran the elite crowd but this was different. I had, I worked with a woman, another woman from like mile two on, and then we caught up with two another, the other two. So there was like a group of us that really worked together. And I don't think I've ever experienced that before. So it was very exciting to me, you know, to have us all helping each other out, um, through the, through the, the latter part of the course. So. Yeah. And you negative split the crap out of it. <laughs> yeah. That is one of my, that's always for me a sign of a successful race. Yes. I like to see a negative split. Um, so, sometimes it doesn't happen, but um, I love going into who doesn't want to go into the, the second part of the race feeling great. And um, that was the whole goal was to get to mile 16 or so and see and go from there. And it just kind of worked out that way. I felt great. Um, and then just kind of started slowly dropping down the pace for the last 10 miles. Yeah, so for everybody listening, the first half was 116.08, the second half 114.31. And I liked what you said. I read somewhere that you were planning to run the 20 miles. And then, you know, once you got to 20, it's like, well, I still have my time goal, but really I'm here to race. And so yeah. you were racing those girls that you were yeah. packed up with. So how, how do you get your mind in that spot? Well, that's, I know, I don't feel like I've ever really raced like that before. So I had to, I had a time goal from the beginning, like I said, like a 235. I wanted to qualify for the Olympic trials with standard A. So those were kind of my main goals, but I wanted to go into the race with a place goal and I wanted to be competitive. So I told my coach, I said, I want to place top five. I think I really, you know, if I'm out there doing my do, I can do it. So um, as the race progressed and we were, the four of us were together and we knew Sarah Hall was ahead 
um, that I did, I was able to competitively pick it up, like, as I felt strong and, you know, it was just kind of, um, took, took charge about, I would say a mile 22 or so really started to, I think I was starting to put like a 530 pace on some of the miles and I could feel that maybe it was separating the group a little bit. So it was, um, it was very, it felt very good. (laughs) Something people always are interested in hearing about is your mental strategies at that point in the race, because even though you felt good and you were able to pick it up, it was obviously very hard and challenging. So how do you get yourself in the right frame of mind to kick it in real hard? Um, I think it comes to do with the training and the belief. So a lot of my workouts are geared towards um, that fatigue, tired feeling. And so just believing that you can keep that pace going, you know, the the latter stage. And honestly, I think a lot of it is just believing in yourself. Um, And I, I knew that my work was done and I had put the mileage in and the training in. So just kind of go with it. Yeah. And your training, um, if, if what I read is right, 75 to 80 miles a week, that's high, but like for a two thirty marathon, I mean, you're seeing a lot people running a lot more miles than that, but let's remind everybody, you have a full-time job as a nurse, you have three kids and you're training at this high level. So do you think that training at that, I don't want to say low mileage, but you know uh, what I mean. Um, do you think that a keeps you healthy and do you think if you bumped it up, you'd be able to run even faster or the age 40 kind of like, I maybe shouldn't run that, that many miles. <laughs> I mean, really it's that fine line with running, right? That you never know when you're going to red line it, um, with anything. So, we did increase the mileage from like in the mid seventies for Boston training to mid to eighties, you know, for not much. And so we're talking about maybe getting into the nineties, but it is hard. I do work a Monday through Friday job. I, I am divorced and I have three boys. So 50% of the time I have a little bit more flexibility in my running and maybe getting some more mileage in, but the other 50% of the time it's pretty limited. So um, we're going to see if it can happen. I don't know if, I can go both ways. I can see how keeping me healthy, staying on the lighter mileage or would, you know, if I had the time, if I increased to a hundred miles, could I see a sub two thirty, or, you know, be a little bit more competitive in the elite, the pro field, you know? Um, I don't know. I don't have really a good answer for that. Cause is breaking two thirty yeah. a goal? Yes. <laughs> I don't put any, limits on my age. I know people are like, Oh, she's 40. And you know, can she break two thirty? I, I haven't shown for me, like there's no, no signs. I've been able to PR at 40 in the 5k, the 10k and the half marathon this spring. So to me, if I decide, you know, to try to go for a sub two thirty, I, I still feel like it could happen. So. Yeah. I love that you talk about how you don't like to put limits on age because clearly here in the last few years, in the last year alone, even you're just getting faster. So I think that people get hung up on numbers and yeah. it's really refreshing to see that you don't, but at the same time, uh, you've also been quoted saying that you don't let running be the center of your life. I think that you sent that in the email to me yes. and I love that because this is an important thing to you and you're really, really good at it, but there's so many other things that are even more important. 
Absolutely. I mean, I love running, but I can't take it. I mean, I thought I don't take it seriously. I take it very seriously, but I love to be doing things with my kids. Like, just like I said, we were at the amusement park for three days before me attempting to do an American record. (laughs) I just try to live my life. And so, um, you know, obviously I have three boys and we love to travel and I like to show them the city. And um, I just, I don't put a lot of pressure on the races either. um, If that makes sense. I kind of just, what happens happens that day. Um, I think as a runner, we all, or even as a human being, most of us, you know, we're never fully satisfied. And I think that's what keeps me going with the running every mm. race. It's like, okay, it was good, but I could do better, you know? Um, but I definitely feel that because I'm not so strict with everything. Um, maybe I like to have a glass of wine or, you know, eat a bag of Cheetos. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like I, like I said, I don't really, I feel that I keep myself in line because I'm not so strict about everything, if that makes sense. Well, yeah. And you want to break master's records, but you're also still very adamant about competing with the entire field as well. Does it ever intimidate you being the, the 40 year old running against someone who might be 28 or 29? No, it doesn't intimidate me. Um, I think we're a competitor. So like I said, I don't really ever, I sometimes I forget how old I am (laughs) or even that that I'm a master's runner right now, you know, just because it's just, I, my birthday was in January. So I really just tried, like I said, my thing for me is just being competitive with everybody, you know, no matter what the age is. So um, when I step to the line, just like I'm sure any elite does or any runner does, you just want to do your best. So I wanted to ask you about the Hanson's training plan when you brought that up. So that's, is that the plan you followed when you ran the 237? Correct. Yes. Okay. Tell me the logistics or tell me, tell me how that plan goes down. I mean, generally it's max of about 65 miles a week, but that's only based off of like, um, like you can do more mileage. We have, this is the basic plan max of 65 miles. Um, you would do five workouts in a two week cycle if that makes sense yep and the the long run would be 16 miles now like i said if you did more mileage it would go up more but the long mile the longest run run i would do was 16 miles and it would be at a faster pace though more like a wouldn't say tempo but like a i think they don't they call it marathon pace at the time um so i did i did hansen's from 2014 through early 2016 so i did it for about two years so when you did, um, so when you did the 16, that was your long run. Did, correct. Is that like a back-to-back long run thing? Is that that method? No, um, we would do, um, the day before would, I think just be regular mileage. So it wouldn't be two, two long runs back to back. Now, um, you would do like, it like early on, it would be, um, speed one day, the next like Tuesdays and let's say Thursdays would be your marathon pace running. So we would start at like five miles and work our way up to 10 miles at marathon pace. And then we would have the long run every other Sunday, um, the longer run. And then, um, or is it, maybe it was every Sunday. I'm like confusing. And then, and then you would just do, um, the one, the one Sunday, it would be faster pace though. So I'm intrigued by the method. I've never done it, but it kind of intrigues me now when you say the longest run was 16 miles, were you maxing out like in those 16 miles, were you running all 16 of them at marathon pace? They were not marathon pace. They were like in the six forties, six forty five pace. Oh, okay. So much slower than marathon pace. Okay. Yes. Yes. So six forty five pace or so. Oh, okay. Okay. That's less, that's less scary to me. Cause I'm thinking 
of the marathon time I want to run. And I'm like, ah, 16 miles at marathon pace. That's really hard. No, no, no. The marathon pace runs would be on Thursdays and they would be up to 10 miles. You would progress from like, let's say five up to 10. I love that. And it only maxed you out at six. So did you max out at 65 miles when you ran the 237? Correct. Yes. Man, that's super impressive. Yeah. Yeah. That method must work. I mean, there's people that love it and people that sure. have tried it and doesn't work, but it's like any plan you know, yeah, totally. or any coach or, you know, you just don't know what's going to work for you individually. So yeah, you just got to give it a shot if you want to give it a shot. Correct. Correct. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So it was, it worked well for me, you know, for the years that I did it and, you know, going with a coach was just a personal preference at the time just to have somebody yeah. give me more guidance. So, okay. This is going to sound like a silly question and I should know this. But is the Hanson's training plan, is that the same guys as like the Hanson brothers who coach Shadrach and coach Des forever? Okay. Yes. Okay. Is. Cool. Awesome. All right, guys, I want to jump in real quick and thank a couple sponsors who are helping make this show possible. First is Lola Feminine Care. So Lola is a female founded company offering a line of organic cotton tampons, pads, liners, and all natural cleansing wipes. Unlike other major brands, Lola products are 100% natural and easy to feel good about. No BS mystery fibers or doubts about what's going on in your body. Plus, Lola products come in a simple, customizable subscription. Lola will deliver exactly what you need, exactly when you need it. How many times, you guys, have you realized you need a tampon and you don't have any in your house? Well, guess what? If you have a subscription service bringing them to your door, they come every month before you even need them. So did you know that the FDA doesn't require brands to disclose a comprehensive list of ingredients in their feminine care products? So most of them don't. Lola offers complete transparency about their ingredients found in their tampons, pads, liners, and wipes. Their subscription is fully customizable so you can choose your mix of products, mix of absorbency, number of boxes, and frequency of delivery. Lola's subscription is super flexible. You can change, skip, or cancel at any time. And you can also feel good about your purchase. For every purchase, they donate feminine care products to homeless shelters around the U.S. So you guys, check out their subscription service. For 40% off all subscriptions, visit mylola.com and enter the promo code ANOTHER when you subscribe. Again, for 40% off all subscriptions, visit mylola.com and enter promo code another when you subscribe. All right, guys. And one more sponsor I want to thank is Outdoor Voices. I have been eyeing their products for so long and I finally got my hands on some. Outdoor Voices makes high quality active apparel to take you from gym life to everyday life seamlessly and fashionably. Outdoor Voices believes that harder, faster, stronger is not necessarily always better. So they design gear for doing things, being active and having fun. They have products available for both men and women and Outdoor Voices clothing is made to sweat in. Outdoor Voices offers free shipping and hassle-free returns if you're not completely satisfied. So I have myself the Venus crop, the tritone leggings, and the tie tee, and I love them all. What I love about the tie tee right now postpartum is that I can just leave it untied and it has this nice loose fit and it still looks cute. And hey, maybe in like three or four months, I can actually tie it up and wear it that way as well. They have this free form fabric that's cozy and soft. 
and it's perfect for stretchy activities like yoga or, you know, just like running up and down your stairs a million times chasing children. So for 20% off your first order of $100 or more, visit OutdoorVoices.com slash another and enter promo code another. Again, for 20% off your first order of $100 or more, visit OutdoorVoices.com slash another and enter the promo code another. All right, guys, enjoy the rest of my conversation with Roberta. All right, well, let's talk about family a little bit because I want to hear about that. You, we've mentioned, have three boys. What's your favorite thing about being a mom to boys? Um, I love, like, well, I love that they're just, they're boys. Like, we do fun things like, you know, they're very active, hiking, swimming, um, you know, uh, being at the beach. Um, And then, I mean, they're boys, so they like their video games. I'm not so much into video games, (laughs) but I try to keep up on what they're doing and that type of thing. Um, We're in a different phase in our lives now since they're older, so we're in that preteen to teenage years. So um, I try to get them out of their rooms more and interacting more. So, (laughs) Um, but I think for me, like, it's just that they're carefree, um, and I'm not a very uh, uh, girly girl, so I don't know (laughs) if I would know how to do nails and, you know, makeup and stuff, so... I like that we can just go on the go, you know, get up and go do something. So I think about that when my boys get older, cause my boys are so young now. And when you said, try to get them out of their rooms and stuff. And <laughs> when I snuggle with I'm, my oldest is six. So when I'm snuggling with him, I'm like, Oh, you're not going to want to do this in like seven years or however long it's going to be. Yeah. There comes a point. I mean, my 11 year old still is gives me hugs and uh, holds my hand at the amusement park. So I try to take it as much as I can. So the other two tend to be like, why are you touching me? Oh, get away. Um, but it's, it's busy, though. I mean, like I said, I, I told you, I, I went through a divorce a couple of years ago, very amicable divorce. Um, we're, you know, we have to strive to make everything work great for our kids. So we live within a few miles of each other. So, um, you know, it's a different time of our lives. So, you know, there was some adjustment. And uh, but, you know, that's what life is, you know, it's it's and I've learned to be. Um, you know, I think when we, you marry at a younger age and you're mm-hmm. kind of relying on that, I'm a very independent woman now, you know, I, I, you know, strive off of that too, you know, I can do all this. And, uh, I think our kids see that, you know, and, um, and they also see that we're very amicable and happy in our lives. So, um, but you know, they have a, you know, great parents and a great role model in their father. And, um, so it's been, it's been a busy life though. So with the move and everything. Yeah. So you talked about how, um, the divorce has kind of been a defining moment in your life and you chose happiness, which is a, is a good example to your kids and that you hope that they'll see that you're being independent and, and you're doing things for yourself and that choosing happiness is, is important. So just talk to me about this phase in your life. Oh, no, it was, um, my kids, I think they've seen a lot in the last couple of years. Like, um, like I said earlier, um, like there's funny thing that you, so when I was younger, I was in college for four, you know, my four years, didn't finish a degree. I went into nursing school, did a two year degree. I was an R I mean, I've been an RN for 16, a long time, 16, 17 years. So after my divorce, um, I had never finished my bachelor's. So these are other things that like, you know, I want my kids to see that you can strive to do things for yourself. And, you know, it doesn't, don't put like, again, I had the old, the, the no age limit type of thing. You know, here I was 39, right before CIM, or I was finishing my bachelor's degree at the same time. So very busy time in my life, training for a marathon, finishing a bachelor's degree. 
Um, but these are things I want them to see that like, you know, that you can do things at any time of your life, you know, even if you make a mistake and, or things don't happen when they think you think they should, when you're 21, 22, don't give up, you know, um, because that's part of life, you know, and choosing to be happy or choosing to do something different for yourself, you know? Um, so I hope that they see a lot of that, you know, over the years. Um, so it's very important to me. Yeah. Did you ever think, you know, you'd been practicing as an RN for so long um, and to finally finish your bachelor's, was that something that you had put on the back burner? Did you, did you for a while write off that you were even going to do it? Correct. Yes. I mean, there were times over the years when the kids were younger that I thought, oh, I would apply. And then I would think, oh, I'm crazy. I can't do this. I have small kids or um, so it just didn't work at that time in my life. But as you know, the divorce happened and um, wanting to do things for myself at some point, not saying that I, that my ex-husband didn't promote it. It was just something that I felt, you know what, this is something I need to do for myself right now, you know. And so it was one of those defining moments, you know, that summer after my divorce. I was like, I'm doing it right now. Signing up, signed up, enrolled all on the same day and did it, you know, and didn't think back, That's like didn't awesome. think about the process. So um, my kids were quite happy for me, too, you know. Um, sometimes you have to do that. You have to just like sign up and not think about all the little details that are going to go into it at the time. Just get, get the ball rolling. Correct. Correct. And you know, I really enjoyed it and I would love to pursue my masters. I'm just taking a little bit of break. Um, right now, I'm not saying the Olympic trials is like a major goal, but I, I did feel, feel like towards the end when I was training for CIM, it was a lot of pressure between, you know, school and training and work and family. So I figured maybe take a break for a couple of years and then get back into my master's degree once the trials are over. So, okay. So let's yeah. talk about the trials then, because they're kind of coming up kind of sort of a little bit. Um, <laughs> what kind of goals do you have for that? Well, number one goal is to be competitive. Like I said, so, um, I want to be, I'll be 42 and again, no, no age limit, but I would like to just be able to compete with everybody, the best of the best and run my best race. So right now the training and the focus will be just gearing up every marathon training season, you know, maybe focusing on more mileage or a little bit more speed, just something to gear me into being in the best shape for the 2020 trials. So, um, no real goals other than, like I said, to compete and maybe have a PR hopefully. Yeah. I mean, what if you, what if you find yourself in a pack, like pretty close up to the front? Like, how do you mentally, uh, tell yourself, like, I deserve to be here running with them and I can pass them if I feel good. I feel like it would be a hard place to wrap your head. Like say I'm like picturing, say I'm running next to Molly huddle or something like that. And like you could, you could be. I know. Um, you know, mentally I haven't really thought too much about that. Um, just yet. Um, but I know as a competitor, if I'm feeling great, I would just go for it yeah. because that's the goal race. Um, so, you know, there's always a risk in that, but you know, if you're feeling great and feeling like everything is going well in the race, just go for it, you know? And, um, I think by that point I'll have enough marathons in me and I don't have, you know, I think I've done nine, I'm going on my 10th. You know, I think as each one comes along, I learn a little bit more about it, you know, and what I can maybe improve a little bit next race. So, um, so hoping by the time the trials come along, like be ready to go. Do you know what marathon you're going to be doing next? I do have a fall marathon and I'm looking forward to it. I can't quite announce it yet, um, <laughs> but should 
should be announcing it sometime in August. So very excited about it though. So now the real question is, are you going to sign up for the elite division? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, I, I'm, I am signed up for the elite division. So, so, um, so I do have a fall marathon plan. So, um, you know, and a spring marathon plan, and then that'll be it after the spring marathon until February of 2020. So, okay. Yeah. Okay. So. So what other, are you looking, I mean, you're probably starting to train right now then like get into a big block of training if you're doing one this fall. Yeah. So the plan was after the race, the track race on Friday night, I took two days off and now this will be another light week this week. And then gearing into, I think I officially start training early August. So, um, I really only do about 12 to 13 week cycles, um, of training just because I usually am built up into this mid seventies by the time we even get to uh, marathon training. So the base has already been built. So, um, so pretty soon I'll be, you know, doing like another 12 to 13 week cycle. So, um, and I'm looking forward to it because I had, I took this some time off. I, um, I wanted to do Boston this past year. I was signed up for it, but my coach after CIM really felt that it was time to take a break for a marathon season off. So I listened and we did that and we focused on the half marathons and shorter distances for the springtime. So, well, and didn't you race the New York city half? I did. I did run the New York, New York city half. And then I went to Pittsburgh, which is my hometown, um, and did the USATF championships half marathon. So those were my goal races this, this spring. Okay. How did they go? Um, New York city half went well. Um, it was really cold that day. Mm. Um, I, I think I was 12th. I'm horrible with places sometimes. Um, 12th overall, I was happy with it. It was early in my training. Um, it was kind of a last minute race, not when I say last minute, but I think I signed in February, early February. So it only gave me about like a month or so to really focus on training. Um, and then I went to Pittsburgh and I was seventh overall at the championship. So, um, I was very happy with that race. So it was a PR by, I think, almost two minutes in the half marathon. What was your so, time there? 112. Oh, 112 something. 112. Again. <laughs> <laughs> um, so there's hopes to break one, uh, 112. So um, might do Philadelphia rock and roll half in September. Um, we'll see, though, just to see if I can possibly break 112. It's a faster course. So um but no, those were my goal races. So um, they were exciting. And like I said, it was great to come home. And, you know, I've made a lot of uh, CIM was my first one well, of my first. It was my second USATF championship race. So meeting more women on the circuit that run those types those races. Um, I've built some friendships with, um, you know, one of the women I ran at CIM with Samantha Blusky. She was at Pittsburgh and we end up running together the whole race. So, you know, it's just that camaraderie. Mm. Um, we worked together because I was struggled from about mile eight on and she really kept me going, you know, and we finished. She finished a few seconds ahead of me and I just gave her the biggest hug at the end because I was so glad to be done in PR, you know, but it was a struggle for, you know, four or five miles for me. Those are my so. favorite stories, hearing about women running with each other. And even though you both want to beat the other one, still like, champion for each other and supporting each other i think when we crossed the there's a hill from mile 11 to 12 when we got to the top of it i just wanted to kiss her i think oh. i was thinking about, like thank you you know and um just because it was i you know i think it was one of those races where i i, I did push myself to probably a limit you know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um and early on in the race was more aggressive earlier on where, where i do like to be that negative split smart racer i was more aggressive um, wanting to hit a goal 
And, um, but yes, I, I, I agree. It's one of those things about running, you know, and building that camaraderie with other runners and, you know, just the respect, cause you know, that you all train hard and, you know, and you're grateful when, grateful when somebody, you know, helps you in any way, giving you an encouraging word or, you know, thumbs up, or just, like I said, we ran together at CIM for, I would say 20 miles wow. or so. So yeah. Yeah. What, what so we talked, she, was she third place at CIM? Fourth. Oh, she's fourth. She fourth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's something, fourth. go ahead. Go ahead. No, as, as I say, she came up to me early in the race, like mile two. And we just started, she had run the course before and just telling me, you know, talking to me about the course. We talked for miles, you know, about the course, what to expect. And so just, she's an amazing runner. And, uh, I, can't express anymore, you know, that she's been great since I met her. So I can't believe that you were talking. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I mean, you were at two thirty. <laughs> I know my coach was at mile eight. He told me he would be at mile 13. And so I never even saw him. He said, Oh yeah, you were too busy talking to another woman. He didn't know her <laughs> at the time. <laughs> He's like, I knew you were okay. <laughs> That's pretty impressive. Yeah. I mean, that had to give you confidence in the second half of the race to know that, I mean, you felt that good in yeah. the first half to be able to, you know, I'm sure you guys weren't like, were you talking nonstop or were you? No, I wouldn't say nonstop, but we did talk a decent amount the first, I would say 10 to 12 miles. So it kind of um, makes it seem more, um, it almost kind of se- makes it seem less scary. Like I'm out here and I have these really big goals, but like, I'm also, I just made a friend. Yeah, no, I agree. And it takes your, you know, once it takes your mind off of it all, but you're, you know, you're hitting the pace where, you know, you check your watch every mile, but you're feeling comfortable when you're talking about things and it kind of takes, yeah, some pressure off of it a little bit, you know, at least for a while, because in a marathon, really, everybody says the last part, it's the last yeah. day that counts. So, you yeah. know, up until mile 20, it's, it's being smart and, um, you know, staying focused, but not really racing until that part point. So Yeah. And there is something that can be a bit emotional. Like when you were talking about finishing the half with her, just not only that you were encouraging her, but when you both finish and you know how hard that was for you and you know that that person was also out there probably working equally as hard. Yeah. It's, um, it's a great feeling. I mean, like I said, I've learned so much this past year and, you know, and, um, have met some wonderful people along the way. So, and I, you know, I, I, I have a new, t- I, r- I race for a team in New York city. So they are fabulous with me. I've made a lot of friends through that, the women at that group and they support me, you know, um, which is amazing. You know, I, I just feel like I'm completely blessed. So how far away from the city do you live? I live about almost an hour. So do you, uh, commute in on the weekends for like long runs and stuff, or what does that look like? You know what? No, I don't. They don't put any pressure on, you know, on, you know, I think the team does meet, you know, informally on weekends and things to do long runs or whenever they can all get together. Most of the women live in the city, New York city. So they, you know, meet up at central park and do their runs. Um, for me, I've, you know, if I'm in the city for something, I might reach out and say, Hey, is anybody doing a run? But I really stick to doing my training in New Jersey for the most part. Do you Um, have people that you train with in New Jersey? I do. I mean, I have, um, there's, like I said, a lot of local running groups that I have made a lot of friends with. So I, 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 when I first moved here, I trained with a gentleman. I don't know if you saw in the article, mm-hmm. you know, he's, a, you know, he's almost, I think he's 20 years older. Wow. So very competitive at his age. And so we had, that's when I was doing the Hanson's program and then, you know, me and him train off and on still. And, and then I have a, 
a slew of other, you know, men and women that I, you know, train with at times. It just depends on my schedule. It really, the most part is my schedule is not as flexible as others. So I'm up at 5.30 running a track workout. Not everybody wants to get up at 5.30 running a track <laughs> workout. So. Do you run on the so, treadmill ever? No. No. Do you, do you have one? No. No. So you, no. you just like tough it out in the winter. I think I ran, I went to the gym one day, um, when it was really cold this past winter and ran once inside for 13 miles. Other than that, I've been outside every day for the last four years at least. So, And so yeah. if it's like really nasty out and you have a big workout and it's clear that you can't because it's like icy or something like that, do you just adjust your days? Correct. Yeah. Well, the co- my coach will have, you know, will adjust the day to a different day or move the workout around a little bit. So, um, and which is nice. I mean, and that's one thing nice about him and I, like, he knows with my schedule and my kids, there's just times where something may not happen, you know? I mean, I'm, I'm very, I do like to get all my workout in, but it's just, it may not happen on that day or it may happen, you know, he knows I run early in the morning and sometimes I don't hit the paces because I'm running yeah. at 4.35 in the morning. So right. um, but it has to be done. Like if I have my kids in the evening, I'm not going to run or do a workout. I want to have dinner with them and, you know, have our usual evening. So right. it has to be done in the morning. So. Yeah. And you see most, uh, most, a lot of elite runners, they're going to do their workout at like 4 PM or like 2 PM or something. Once they, mm-hmm. they do like an easy shakeout run in the morning and then they nap and then they go do this is not the reality for a full-time nurse with three kids no 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 I mean if I can get a massage once a month we're happy uh or physical therapy appointment just for a tune-up but um really it's it's I mean I try my best to get everything in but even the strength training and core I mean it's when I can do it and I really try hard but I only have so much time in the day you know and so um, I don't want to be injured. So I really do work during marathon training to keep myself injury free and listen to my body, but I don't have hours upon hours to do all the extras that, you know, a lot of the pros get to do. So it sounds like you have a really healthy balance though. I mean, you're busy, you're jam packed, but it sounds like your perspective is really healthy. It is. It is. I mean, what I love to be a pro and, and have all the time to focus on running you know, or like the extras, like the massages and the strength and core, of course, who wouldn't want that opportunity, but that's not the reality of my life. So I have to be well balanced and, you know, let it, you know, figure it all out as it comes. But, you know, I mean, like, you know, I, if the weather's bad and I can't run that morning because I don't have a treadmill access or something like that, then we have to just readjust. So, so I have to ask them because I mean, I'm running a two thirty marathon, like you could get a decent sponsorship. Maybe would, I mean, would you take, would, that be something you would even do? Um, it would have to be the right fit, I think, with anything. And people will ask, they're always surprised because I have no sponsorships. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it had to be the right fit, honestly. I mean, um, I don't know what that all entails, like what, you know, what would be required of me, mm-hmm. um, you know, with having New York Athletic Club as my team, yeah. you know, they, they do a lot for me as it is, you know, um, and I'm blessed for most races that I get a lot of travel support, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so I don't know, you know, it would, like I said, I, I, I've reached out to a few companies in the past, haven't heard much back at this point, like I said, I'm just doing what I'm doing. Like, it doesn't bother me, you know, that I don't have one. Um, if something happens along the way, great, you know, but right. Saucony Brooks, New Balance, <laughs> come on guys, holler at, holler at us. No, I'm just, my wheels are coming like a two thirty marathon. You got second place at CIM. It's just, you're, you are the real deal. Um, Thank you. You're welcome. So let's, before we do the end of the podcast questions, 
as the mom of three, 40 years old, running so competitively, but you didn't really pick it back up until your youngest was two, um, give some like happy words and, and wisdom to these moms who are kind of in the throes of everything thinking, I'd love to, you know, like get back in shape and, you know, we're not going to be competing at your level, but we can still compete with ourselves. So what would you say to that mom who's like really tired with their third kid who's maybe say like one? I would just say, be, do something for yourself. Don't feel guilty. I think as a mother, we feel guilty if we do something for ourselves. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Like maybe that's where a lot of people struggle with or they're tired. You know what? Just do one thing for yourself. And if it's you like to run or you like to to write in a journal or something, just give yourself a little bit time each day to do something for yourself and don't feel guilty about it. And as a mother, you know, I think when I first started doing it, I felt guilty, you know, Oh, you're going to go for a run or, Oh, mommy, don't leave the house. But it's important because that's the time that you have to yourself. And then you bring back to your children and your family, a happy mother, you know, or, you know, um, like you take out some stress on the run. So um, and finding time. Yeah. I mean, we're all tired, but if it's something you love to do for yourself, do it. Yeah. You make time for what you love and everybody's yeah. circumstances are different, but you can yeah. usually find some time to maybe watch less TV and run, a, run a few more miles or, you know, or Correct. read more books or whatever it is that you love. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I always try to tell myself too, when it's the moment, you know, like I'm about to have a baby and I'm like, you don't have to be trying to do all these other hard things in those first six months or year or whatever it is. Like you can just be that mom and like let things kind of oh yes. be, you know, like I'm going to continue, you know, when I go on maternity leave or whatever you want to call, I don't know what you call it when you run your own business, but like when I, I'm trying to backload interviews. Yes. Um, so that I have all these interviews recorded. So for at least like six or seven weeks, I don't have to record anything. And it's like, that's okay. You can just like not think about it and you can just hit publish and move on and not hustle for anything. I think it's hard. I think, yeah, but I, we, we should be able to do that. Right. Um, like for me, I have to give a little bit. It's my house isn't always as clean as I want it to be, mm-hmm. but you know, I might have laundry sitting there that needs folded, but I, Hey, my kids want to go do something. Oh, let's go do it then. Let's, you know, I, I just, sometimes you have to live life and not necessarily put a lot of stress on what, what you feel like you have to do all the time. Right. So, yeah, I call it putting my blinders on. Like <laughs> I feel happier when my house is clean and orderly. I think we all feel a little bit better when things are put together, but there are times like even on the weekends when my husband's even home where I'm like, you know what? Like that's not a priority right now. And I'm just going to let that pile up because I can put my blinders on and enjoy something else. But then there are weekends where I'm like, I want all this done right now. Yeah. I mean, we have those moments, right? Yeah. Where you're like, I need this done now. But. Yeah. Well, let's do the end of the podcast questions. Um, sure. What is one thing personally or professionally that you'd like to do that you haven't done yet? Well, I think um, professionally as a nurse, I guess I would love to go to get my master's degree. So that is something I'm striving for in the next couple of years. Um, and running, like I said, it would just be to be able to compete at this level for as long as I can. Um, personally, you know, obviously having my three boys, I want them to, they're in that stage of their life where they're getting into middle school and high school. Mm. I want them to be, I want to strive for them to 
to, you know, find their desires and passions in life and uh, what they want to do and, and help them grow into being, you know, um, the best human being they can be, um, you know, so being, being with them and trying to be a role model for them, you know, is very important to me right now. Let me ask you this, just on the topic of of having boys, because I'm raising boys myself. Um, I am already thinking about the kinds of conversations I know I'm going to need to have with them and their dad will need to have with them about like respecting women and all this stuff. Like you're kind of entering those waters. Is that, is that scary? And and how do you handle that kind of stuff? It is scary. Um, You know, we've had some talks um, and a lot of times we do joint talks with my ex-husband and I, with the kids. Um, You know, we are, I mean, it's a different time frame or different like age, like um, let's say like, I didn't, I'm a woman too. So I don't know, but I know like with media now and social media and everything going on, it's a lot different than when I, we grew up. Right. So there's, you know, I feel like they get older faster, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Like my, you know, my fifth grader now going to sixth grade, I feel like he's experienced things or they're learning things at school that's coming home to us, like in health class, you know, Mm -hmm. early on. So, um, you know, I think the biggest thing is that they have to, you know, yeah, with the respect of anybody, not just a woman, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. respecting anybody in general, you know, um, is a big factor that we're trying to work on them with. And, you know, I think also um, sometimes children feel like they deserve everything and need, mm. you know, deserve to have everything in life. And yes. um, it's it's teaching them that not all we don't always get what we want. Mm-hmm. So these are life lessons that I want them to, you know, have. I mean, it's not like I want them to have hardship, but I mean, would I love to have a million dollars? Of course, who doesn't? But, you know, when they're asking me for multiple things and doing things, sometimes like, you know, we have to realize that we can't have everything. So, yeah, sometimes it's hard to say no when it's it could be something that would be so simple to just give them. But there's lessons in that. You know, you can't have this just because you want it. And just because, you know, something, maybe it's $10 or something like I can afford it, but that doesn't mean that you are entitled to have it. Correct. Correct. Man, this raising kids thing, it's hard. (laughs) It's harder than we ever thought probably. (laughs) Yeah. Because you just don't, I I mean, I'm already like, I'm not the kind of parent who over parents in any way, I don't think, but it's also like when years slip away, you're like, whoa, I don't want to miss this opportunity to teach him this or that, you know? Correct. Okay. Uh, what's an accomplishment you're most proud of? Well, I mean, obviously raising my three boys is always an accomplishment and seeing them achieve in their things and like their academics or their personal careers. Um, oh boy. I mean, for me, I guess my bachelor's degree was pretty high up there. Yeah. Um, because I, w- I was so long in the, you know, it took so long to have or, you know, to do. And running wise, CIM was probably, you know, obviously a high moment for me. Um, uh, just the whole day, the race. Um, so a big achievement being second at a USATF race. Um, um, so those have been like the highlights of my life right now <laughs> when it comes to running and personal um things that happened have happened recently and speaking of uh races do you plan to take your boys to the trials in 2020 yes that was a that was as soon as I told them I was trying to qualify for the trials they haven't lived that one down so as soon as I qualified they said you are taking me so it was a very when they were announcing the site you know where they potentially were having it 
obviously that was very active in like a uh, conversation at my household like oh I hope it's here or I hope <laughs> it's there oh, I don't want it to be there um so they were very happy with Atlanta um yeah. so they were happy with the choice and yeah so my plan is to have all three there um I'm assuming my mother will come with us um at this point so it'll be a little family trip down to Atlanta so. Yeah, I was wondering about that because obviously race morning, you're going to be like doing race things and then you're going to be running a marathon. You're, if your oldest is almost 15, he can hang out so, by himself, but it'll be nice to have your mom there to kind of like. It's always nice to have somebody, you know, in charge to, to, help, <laughs> to help out. Um, you know, for short distance races that maybe it's a local race, you know, they can hang out at the park right sure. there. You know, you know, they're old enough now, but not a marathon at this level uh, yeah. for trials. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, that's they, so fun. But they will be there cheering me on. So it'll be very exciting. It'll make the finish line that much sweeter. Absolutely. If you could have coffee or cocktail with someone fun, inspiring, encouraging, anybody, who would it be? So I thought about this one. So I would, um, Desi, Lyndon, either coffee or whiskey, because I like both, just like (laughs) she does. So I would love to just, I mean, I, we have been in the same rooms together for a lot of the elite races, but I, I have never approached her um, to talk to her because I'm, I'm like nervous, <laughs> nervous. And she, she's like an idol to me. You know, I love, you know, obviously I, I train for, with the Hanson's plan. So, mm-hmm. you know, I've always had this, like, like, she was always my go girl, like rooting her on, you know? So obviously her winning Boston this year was very exciting to see. She is incredible. I have listened to she, like, you know, like when someone does a big, wins a big race or does something big they're on like every podcast and you know there's a million interviews with them and I have listened to so many interviews with her on all these like random podcasts that I'm like man and I've interviewed her but I'm like man I like her even more every time I listen she's just just, yeah I mean exactly you know and she's worked so hard and Mm -hmm. um deserves every bit of it so but she would definitely be someone I would love to sit down either sip whiskey with or have a coffee in the morning with that's awesome. Yeah, she's amazing. All right, what's the best, most recent book you've read? I was just, I am in the middle of reading the Dina Castor book, which I'm, I'm in love with. Um, so good. It is really good. Unfortunately, with I moved recently in vacation, so like, I haven't been able to read as much as I'd love to. Um, I also had read a book, um, Don't Tell Me I'm Afraid. Don't Tell Me About Being, oh, I feel bad. I forget the, the actual title. It was about the... Um, uh, the Somalia runner, Somali, Somalian runner from the, she was trying to get to the London Olympics. I don't know if you heard about her. And then she actually was a refugee and was trying to leave and go to Europe to train more. And she died on the way over. Um, I don't know if you heard of the story. I have at all. heard of it. Yeah. Yeah. So I read that book recently and I really, really love that book too. Um, one of those books where you read really like fast because you're really into it. So I was, I felt like I read it in three or four days. So um, I enjoyed that book a lot too. So Ooh. I do love to re- I do love to read. It's just recently with the moving and everything we've been busy. So yeah, you got to do what you got to do. Exactly. I am thinking about making that one. A, I, I do like a monthly book club with this podcast and okay. yeah. And we did Dina's book in June or maybe she was May. I think she was May. Um, but I, I, you're the second or third person who's recommended the book that don't tell me I'm afraid. And I, yeah. since you said it was so good and you read it so fast, I'm thinking I might pick that for an upcoming book club pick. 
It is a good one. I mean, I felt like I read it within a week. And for me to do that yeah, that's with fast. my schedule, yeah. it, was some, it was something I was reading at night at bedtime that I was keeping me, I mean, you know, interested enough to stay awake. So I mean, yes. not, the, not all books don't, but uh, sometimes with the busy lifestyle or, you know, you get like 10 minutes to yourself, you feel you're, you're falling asleep in that 10 minutes. So <laughs> yeah, I just finished a book in like two days and it was one of those, it was like a beach read book, but it was one of those things where like, um, my son, one of my youngest son was up crying in the middle of the night and I was kind of like seeing if he'd cried out a little bit. And I was like, well, I'm laying here awake. I want to know what's going on in the book. And I was like reading at 1am, you know, just cause I'm like, sitting. so that's, that's a sign that you're really into a book. Exactly. Exactly. All right, Roberta. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time to chat with me and your day. And I can't wait to share your story with, with all my listeners. Yeah, thank you very much for the um, for the talk, and it was great. Um, great to, I love talking to others and getting, you know, obviously not just my story out, but you know, just inspiring. We should all inspire each other. Yeah, and women and men, women, men, anybody. Just, just, um, it's always good to hear other stories too. So, well, I know that everybody listening is going to be excited to hear uh, the marathon that you're going to run this fall. <laughs> yes. We will hopefully, uh, hopefully, like I said, by mid-August or so, find out. Okay. Awesome. Okay. All right, Roberta, we'll have a great rest of the day. Great. Thanks a lot, Lindsay. Thank you. Have a good day, too. Bye. Bye. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning in today. Thanks, Roberta, for joining us on the show. You guys can find everything we talked about in the show notes at lindsayhine.com. Don't forget to check out our sponsors of the show. Head over to ubiome.com slash another and check out ubiome and their smart gut product. And check out Lola. Get yourself some tampons and a subscription for that. Just go to mylola.com and use the code another to get 40% off your subscription order. And then also get yourself some leggings. Go treat yourself with Outdoor Voices. That's outdoorvoices.com slash another and use the code another to get 20% off your first purchase of over $100. You guys, you can find me on social media. I'm on Instagram, Lindsay Hine 626 I'm on Twitter at Lindsay Hine, and I'm also on Facebook. I'll have another podcast with Lindsay Hine. And you guys can find Roberta on Instagram. She's bad underscore boys one zero four. And I'm going to find her on Strava and link that in the show notes as well at lindsayhine.com. If you loved what you heard today and if you're enjoying the show, even if you've been listening forever and you haven't left a review, it's not too late, you guys. I would appreciate it so much if you would leave a rating and review on the podcast app of your choice. It is a great way for new listeners to find us. And if you aren't already subscribed, subscribing to the show really helps with the iTunes rankings. And also, I try to put out bonus episodes sometimes and you'll miss those if you're not subscribed. So... Go ahead and subscribe to the show if you haven't done that. That would mean the world to me. We've got some fun episodes coming up. Thanks so much for listening today. Thanks for sharing the show with your people. And and I appreciate every single person who listens to this podcast. So thank you, thank you, thank you. If you're going to be at Indie Women's Half Marathon next weekend, guys, I will be emceeing the opening ceremonies. And I also will be popping in the expo for a little live mini live show deal we don't have the time set yet so i can't tell you it but um check out their social media and my social media for more details to come up here in the next couple days um that's the indie women's half marathon that's coming up next weekend in indianapolis on september 28th if you follow me on instagram lindsayhine626 i will be sure to update you there 
All right, guys, have a great Friday. Have a great rest of your weekend. And as always, I'll see you next Friday.